The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. So we're going to get into that Africa Business Report. And I just thought this evening's one is actually very, very interesting. It, it, we're going to unpack R&B's Where to Invest in Africa report for 2021, which posi- positions Egypt as Africa's top investment destination. We've long asked the question whether South Africa is still the gateway to the rest of the continent. We've seen quite a few entities, South African that is, pull out of some parts of the continent, saying to themselves they'd like to zone in and focus in a little bit more on themselves or the South African business. And that has meant that the rest of the continent hasn't necessarily been focused on. Our own regulatory issues have also meant that we don't necessarily sit as the best destination when it comes to attracting the right investment. But we've also not necessarily got the best ability for growth in some instances. The own goals we keep shooting uh, don't help us. And perhaps the best investment opportunities come from uh, areas that are entirely different to us, more lenient, more willing to let investors come in on a different scale. Morocco follows up Egypt as the second best investment destination South Africa sitting in third place. And all of this is based on operating environments, uh, you know, moving all of these others higher. Even Rwanda has moved up on the rankings, uh, now sitting in fourth position. Botswana is in fifth position as well. So it's very interesting, I thought, to get a a hold of uh, this report lately. Daniel Kavisha is the economist for Sub-Saharan Africa at RMB and joins us as we talk about this. Seems like South Africa continues to perhaps lose a little bit when it comes to its attractiveness on the investment front, Daniel. Yes, well, South Africa now has been third position for just over three years now. Um, One of the things that we're finding is, uh, like you mentioned, the operating environment that was absolutely easy and attractive for international investors still good for the South African market, but it definitely has um, become you know, less attractive relative to other markets. Um, you know, your top positions have one of the highest, uh, highest scores from an operating environment perspective, both Morocco and Egypt. But as you rightly mentioned, we're starting to see additional countries improve their attractiveness by looking at key areas, whether it's the rule of law, political landscape, uh, socioeconomic issues, policy, and this has improved the scores of certain countries like Rwanda and Botswana that have then moved up to the top five position. So yes, South Africa is still doing quite well, third position, strong market, quite diverse, but something to look out for for the next few years if certain gremlins aren't dealt with within the system. Yeah. Are we going more, you know, sort of in a downward movement or... Is there some upside uh, in terms of our movement? Do we have the chance even of moving back to second, if not first, hopefully at some stage? Look, uh, I think the the reality that South Africa is facing is that it's it's really at a juncture of of investments. Um, We've created a market that's quite sizable. We've created a market that's quite diverse, a lot of opportunities in the manufacturing base, a lot of opportunities in the wholesale and retail trade sector. You know, the tourism is is one of the most attractive places on the continent to visit. We've got strong harbors, gateway into the rest of sub-Saharan Africa region, at least coming in from Southern Africa. There are significant opportunities in SA. I guess the issue is how 
strict are we going to be in terms of making sure that basic things are dealt with, uh, such as graft um, across a lot of the, uh, you know, whether it's on a state level or on a private sector level. How adamant would we be to make sure that some of the operational efficiencies that have detracted from economic growth, such as electricity, um, you know, how, how soon will we resolve these factors to improve South Africa's score, not only in an African landscape, but I guess in an international one. So whether the trajectory is up or down really relies on, at this juncture, the way I see it, the involvement of the private sector in making sure that government is held accountable to do what it says and that there is some strong sense of operational efficiency coming out of South Africa. So North Africa certainly taking the top two yes. spots then. I would have thought from an East African perspective that Kenya would be a little bit higher up, but it seems Rwanda taking the, the, the better of the two there. Yeah, look, Kenya has been quite strong uh, over the past few years. And, you know, like you rightly said, over what we saw last year is a couple of things. Firstly, you know, if you compare to the book two markets, in terms of operational efficiency, Rwanda definitely takes the cake. Um, small economy, but they have managed to really set themselves apart on an international scale as to how friendly they've become for investors over the past 10 years, if you think about just the transformation that the country has gone through. The other thing that we're finding as well is if you introduce fiscal scores, which is what we did, you know, Kenya um, lags uh, relative to Rwanda in the East African nation in terms of having strong fiscal indicators. Um, now, this could change uh, over the next few years. You're well aware Kenya just got into an IMF program this year. Um, the IMF are seeing massive opportunities for this market, just given its size, like you mentioned, um, and given the strong labor productive force that Kenya has. So, you know, this could turn, but definitely not in this year's ranking. Rwanda's taking pole position. And I do think just the trajectory that this economy has been on, you know, growing by over 5 to 6% over the past few years, potentially bouncing back to such strong growth post the pandemic, makes it a strong contender in East Africa. Yeah, it certainly does look that way. Nigeria, not even in the top 10? One of the strongest things that you'd be surprised Ironically, the past few years was the exact opposite. People were surprised finding Nigeria in the top 10, specifically people who operated in that market. And this became pronounced during the pandemic. Um, a lot of liquidity issues were faced in Nigeria. We had a lot of clients who realized that, you know, just the exposure to the oil and gas sector means that the country, even from a tax revenue perspective, is on the mercy on, on, on oil prices. Uh, companies struggled to have cross-border payments take place. It became quite tricky to operate in, in the Nigerian market. And this is fed in to your international indicators, you know, relative to other countries. Then it's a good market. It's a sizable market. It's not as diverse as some of the other larger economies in Africa but it's definitely declined in terms of its operating environment. Hence the reason why it's not, it didn't make the cut to the top 10. Yeah, very interesting, I thought, on that one. I also thought Mauritius would be a little bit higher, considering how their favorable tax regime has really gotten quite a, a few investors really keen on them, but sitting in seventh spot on this one. Well, I mean, look, it's one thing to have um, favorable tax regime, but again, the pandemic 
has managed to to show how also market size is important, right? Um, so your access to a sizable market, a sizable consumer base for larger manufacturers that are looking to sell products into a market also plays a key factor. And, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, makes it slightly more problematic for a market like Mauritius. And the other thing as well, you know, it's, it's managed to, 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 to shield a lot of the impacts of the pandemic by ramping up vaccination. But again, we could see very clearly its exposure to the tourism sector. Now, just a few stats to, to put that in mind. You know, during the pandemic, the second and third quarter, we saw up to a 90, an over 90% decline in tourism receipts in Mauritius. And, and that had a significant impact on the totality of the economy. And therefore, the question was, will this economy be able to bounce back to growth, given that its key export earner, so to speak, in quotes, FX earner, um, you know, its key gateway to a lot of its sectors has pretty much been cut at its knees because of the pandemic. So a good, decent economy, but COVID has really shattered a lot of the momentum that Mauritius would have had. Yeah, it seems that with this ranking that a lot more of a nuanced approach needed to be had, right, by some of these uh, countries. You needed to kind of focus on what you're good at particularly over the last number of years, and really thrive at that and not try to do everything. Because uh, uh, it, it seems that that's, that's what you're getting out of the likes of Egypt and Morocco. Yeah. And look, you, you mentioned something very key, right? How did you enter this crisis, right? What, what, what was your fiscal position? Uh, what key sectors were you investing in as a country or an economy? You know, we, we forget that despite how deep last year's economic recession was, it was one of the quickest. Um, you know, in developed markets, we saw graphs that were V-shaped. As you recall, we mentioned it, you know, mm. a period in time mm. where in two quarters, you know, <laughs> things were pretty much contracted by, you know, 20 to 25% and then it bounces back just as economies reopen. And so when you look at the same effect on, on Africa, you know, you don't start a construction project with a six months view, a lot of these projects needed to have a lot of life. So how an economy entered the pandemic in terms of its fiscal structure, private sector, um, operating efficiencies, all that happened was that it was exposed as the pandemic unraveled. And so now the countries that are able to bounce back and be a little bit more efficient in terms of operations will be able to catapult over the next five to 10 years. Case in point, in top position there, you saw Egypt yeah. managed to escape a recession last year. You know, it's still printed like a 2% growth just because of how quickly it was able to resume economic activity you know, post-locking down and, sure. and have several sectors grow. Sure. Uh, Daniel, very, very quickly, how does the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement change any of this, if at all? Not at the moment. Look, we're all excited about it. Uh, you and I both, I'm sure... We all can't wait for the promise of African passports that allow us <laughs> to travel anywhere. Yes, please. To work everywhere. We're waiting with bated breath. I think this would be a key thing, uh, especially just in terms of labor mobility. But the key area, I guess, that everyone is concerned about with the Continental Free Trade Agreement is how, how free will there be a movement of goods and how soon can we reduce some of these tariffs by what's been proposed, over 80% decrease in tariffs in the agricultural products as an example. But what we've found is at this stage, countries haven't managed 
to deal with the rules of origin, which, which basically is a term that helps us to understand where is the original product source, the one that you're about to export. Yeah. Um, now, you can imagine how this can be problematic for Africa, given sure. that you know, a lot of the imports come in from Asian markets. And we can't go and unsell them to our neighbors yeah, with a 70 yeah. to 80% tariff. You know, we have to prove the products are either coming from our domestic market or show the trade in which way in which we're beneficiated. So several countries are dealing with this now. This is key thing for second and third quarter in terms of the continental free trade agreement. Members sure. of countries are trying to address these issues. And then post that, we will have bilateral agreements between countries once they'll be able to source our oh, of origin to start you know, transporting goods yeah, cross-border. Yeah. Those are definitely yeah. going to be, uh, I think, on a tougher scale as well because a lot of people are going to want what benefit is it going to have to me? Pretty much the same yeah. as we kind of are sitting with right now. Daniel, appreciate the time. Always good chatting to you. Daniel Kavishe is an economist for Sub-Saharan Africa at RMB. As they release then uh, their uh, top investment attractiveness uh, ranking, the top 10 nations, South Africa in third, Egypt and Morocco operating and taking the top two spots.